This episode is available ad-free for Peakery Tribe members. Go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe, subscribe for free and get the ad-free version. Well, hello everybody. My name is Arno. I'm a coach in creativity and peace of mind and welcome to the Peaceful Creativity Podcast. My guest for this episode is Aaron Hubbard. Aaron is a podcaster, an author and a co-creator of the Bold Move Podcast Network. Bold Move's impressive catalog of pop culture podcasts was downloaded over, wait for it, 60 million times, with their Game of Thrones show reaching the number one spot on the American iTunes chart. A feat even more impressive considering that Aaron and his co-host and Bold Move co-creator Jim Jones were raised as members of a religious cult forbidding most TV shows and movies. We talk about how he escaped that cult and started his life over from scratch, his book God of Thrones on the religions of Game of Thrones and of course the art of podcasting. Since we recorded the episode, Aaron, Jim and Cecily launched a new network titled Swissbold. It is super interesting to hear those people that you're used to uh, listen, talking about pop culture, addressing other subjects, namely uh, politics and uh, life and social interactions. And I really enjoyed all the shows that I listened so far, so I highly recommend it as well. Before we get into the episode, a word of housekeeping, and I let you know in advance there will be a sponsored message in the middle of the episode. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Aaron from boldmove.com. Aaron, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Arno. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, I've been acquainted with your work through your uh, excellent Game of Thrones podcast. I, I was looking for some help, you know, to understand the various characters and the plot in a spoiler-free environment. And I fell in love immediately with your style of podcasting, the wit, the to-the-point attitudes. And uh, I'm, I'm super happy that you're here and, and honored, uh, you know, that you took the time. So thank you very much for that. That's uh, makes me feel really good to hear that. It's high praise. Thank you. <laughs> but it's uh, it's uh, honest praise. <laughs> um, how do you how do you currently describe Bold Move and uh, and your activity your activity at the moment? We are a pop culture. Uh, website, but there's a lot of pop culture websites that are from kind of like more, I guess, a professional critic perspective. Um, and we certainly try to analyze stuff from that angle, but primarily we are just fans, you know, and we get excited about stuff. We get let down by stuff and our enthusiasm and sometimes frustration it mirrors a lot of times the community and, uh, Uh, the the fan base around the television show and I think that's one of the reasons that people like us it sometimes gets us in trouble too if we're if we're uh, uh, 180 degrees opposite from where the majority of the fan base is we get into some hot water every once in a while but I mean we, we try to really be honest and tell the truth like we're not uh, like a cheerleader podcast uh, yeah. we're more of like uh, if if Uh, we're more of like your friends to talk to about a show if you don't have any friends locally. And a lot of people don't because uh, TV is getting more and more fragmented. Um, it's harder and harder to find a show that like a lot of people are watching. Like Game of Thrones was like one of the, maybe the last great water cooler shows. So we're, we try to be yeah. we try to be your friends to talk about a show when you don't have any in real life. Yeah, I really appreciated having you as as friends in my in my uh, you know evening walk with my dog because typically we would watch the we would watch the episode with my wife and then my wife would go to sleep and uh, I was the episode was in my head and I needed to hear some <laughs> other opinions <laughs> so you guys were with me uh, you know in the park with the dogs <laughs> that's, that's very sweet <laughs> um bold move has grown in uh, to huge proportions by now uh two years ago you hit 20 million downloads Uh, which kind of numbers are you in now in terms of, uh, you know, monthly listeners? And uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about the scale that it reached? Yeah, we did a, a 50 million 
celebration podcast down uh, downloads like uh right around game of thrones starting up and i think we've done another 12 million after that it wow. so our our podcast is very seasonal like in the height of game of thrones season we'll do you know a million two million downloads a week um then some of this like uh some of the months in august or some of the days in august are pretty sleepy and we just have a uh, hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand downloads but we uh i feel like our our core fan base that pretty much shows up for anything is mm. anywhere between five and 10,000 people. Our club and our club is 5,000 uh, strong. So we wow. have a, a pretty good dedicated fan base. And some of these, some of these people have been along with us since like our very, like it's always shocking because we sometimes joke about our very first podcast we did when we didn't know what we were doing is called blue yonder. Um, yeah. and it wasn't pop culture so much as just two dudes talking about whatever they felt like that day. And every time I make jokes about there's no people from that's been fans since the beginning, I always get emails be like, oh, no, I, I, I've checked out the blue. <laughs> and there's several people that I know that are like uh, on our forums and I recognize their names that have been uh, with us since our first Breaking Bad podcast. So it feels good. And I, I'm really proud of our community and uh, uh, how how uh engaged and supportive and just nice everybody is and uh you know obviously we couldn't do any of this without him yeah yeah as, as someone who's currently building his own community I, I can you know when i have a few returns that somebody told me you know i read that on your blog and it made me think that blah 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 it helped me i feel already how happy i am so i cannot begin to imagine the 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 good feeling you must have from having such a huge and, and engaged community yeah, it's like all the time um, on a on a weekly basis, we get emails from people saying that we really helped them through a rough patch, or yeah, uh, they're having a bad day and we made them smile. Um, and these people tell us these incredibly personal stories about their their uh, tragedies and triumphs, and it uh, mm. it's nice because I've had some dark times in my life, and there was you know I. I guess the bald move for me was the pin, the guys at Penny Arcade, this webcomic um, that mm. I really kind of clung to and and listened to their podcasts and live vicariously because there's a point in my life where I didn't have a lot of friends around and I know what it means to to have something like that that can that can help help you uh, get out of a tough spot and I'm so glad it's so rewarding to to be that for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, you, you work go beyond podcasting. You are also an author. You published uh, four books that I know of, maybe more. Um, and I'd love to talk later about your book, uh, God of Thrones. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you also appear in conferences and do some public speaking. Which, which project are you currently the most excited about? Oh, man. Uh, we're... <sighs> the as far as project i'm excited about right now uh probably the watchman podcast we're doing um mm -hmm. because our fa my favorite television show of all time is the leftovers on hbo oh, really? which uh -huh. was ran by damon lindelof who mm. was the executive producer and showrunner one of them with carlton cues on uh lost yes um which i kind of have a checkered history with but the leftovers was just amazing and then he announced that he was going to do a project based on Alan Moore's The Watchmen. And uh, we saw the first episode last weekend. It was really, really good. And I'm really, really excited to see what Damon Lindelof has to, to do with The Watchmen. Um, then there's a lot of uh, a lot of great movies coming out, like because we also do movie coverage, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, uh, won't, so won't you be my neighbor? Is that the um, kind of Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers biopic with Tom Hanks? Uh, Star Wars. I, I'm kind of curious to see. Uh, I didn't like the last Star Wars too much. I'm anxious to see if they can get this kind of new trilogy to a good place uh, when they're when they're wrapping it up. Uh, it's always something, always something new and exciting to. Uh, oh, really excited about the Rick. The, also, our, our, this is the first kind of um, semi-official project we've done for hire. Uh, Starburns Audio uh, commissioned us to do a full podcast on Rick and Morty. Uh -huh. uh, especially the season four when it goes live. So there's lots of things I'm I'm super excited about right now. Wow, uh, wow! Yeah, I'd like to react to several things that you said, but I want to you know keep it in time. So 
I'm just go. I'm just gonna go with uh, Watchmen because that's one of my. It's maybe my favorite comic book uh, ever, um, mm -hmm. and I think the the movie adaptation was really, uh, you know, tour de force. Like what they managed to do, and now they are going mm -hmm. to. They, they are turning it into a TV show, like reg, uh, like regular regular uh, series. Is that so? Yeah, yeah. There's going to be, I think, somewhere between eight and ten episodes. And so the theme of this or the idea behind this show is that, you know, the events of Watchmen take place in 1985. Mm -hmm. um, and this show takes place in the same universe, but now it's 2019. Wow. So like Dr. Manhattan's been away for 30 years. Um the the like uh nixon finally left office and now robert redford has been president <laughs> for the last 30 years oh. and the united states is a very different place and um what are they the, the things they're dealing with now in the watchman universe are sometimes it's a lot it's very similar to things we're dealing with in the real world uh, there's a lot of fantastic elements like uh there it, it rains psychic squid periodically uh <laughs> because of what what Ozymandias's gambit in the last uh, in the comic book. Yeah. So there's a lot of really um a lot of really cool world building and lore in that world which I I I love. I love anything that's got like lots and lots of intense world building. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with Game of Thrones. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's really good and there's a few characters that are returning um but they're obviously much older yeah. and they have different experiences, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun so far. Oh man. Can't wait, can't wait to watch that. Um, so I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the art of, uh, of podcasting, because obviously you have, sure. a, you have a lot of experience with that and, uh, you've already been very generous with the, the resources that you put out there. You did some Q and a, you did some, uh, ask me an anything on Reddit, and uh, you also have a dedicated podcast to to the behind the curtain side of podcasting, um, mm -hmm. which is uh, called Empire Business, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the old uh, Breaking Breaking Bad joke when uh, Jesse asked, "What is he in the meth business?" He goes, "No, I'm in the Empire business." <laughs> so I guess that's what we're doing too. <laughs> um. So I have questions on two topics, which are a little bit, uh, which are maybe intermediate level. But before we go going into that, uh, if you had to give just one advice to a, a beginner, a beginning podcaster, uh, what would it be? Um, I would have two pieces of advice that are kind of inseparable. One is start right now. Whatever equipment you've got, if it's just a crappy mic with a little, you know, a crappy headset with a little boom mic, like a gamer style mic, start start recording. Grab your co-host if you're going to have them. Start recording stuff right now uh, because you're going to be really, really bad at it. And it's some of this stuff is just like it's you got to practice. You got to practice mic dis the discipline. You got to practice mic technique. You got to get your flow and chemistry together so you're not constantly cutting each other off and interrupting each other. Uh, and the second best piece of advice that that goes with it is set a schedule and keep and stick to it. Like, don't let you or your friends treat this as a casual thing, because I mean, I don't know it. I, I feel like everyone starts a podcast because they're hoping to build an audience. Right. Hmm. Um, now, if you're just doing it for some kind of weird performance art or like, you know, just to have some laughs with your friends and then you can be a little bit more casual. But if you do deep down if you're honest with yourself want to build an audience the thing that you can do that 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 will help that is to be consistent in your re recording and release schedule because mm -hmm. nothing destroys an audience faster than if they show up on the tuesday where your podcast is supposed to come out or whatever and it's just not there yeah um or there's an apology post saying oh you know brad was sick and michelle couldn't make it so <laughs> we're just gonna have to wait for another week ha, ha. like no one cares yeah. like work around that have a couple of uh have a couple of episodes that are kind of evergreen that you can kind of keep in case there's a problem um but yeah if you if you treat it if you treat it like a, a an appointment then your fans will will treat it like an appointment and they'll start showing up and getting larger and larger and those are those are the two things i always try to tell people that uh you gotta have fun but you also if you want to grow an audience you have to take it seriously because you want people to take you seriously yeah yeah, I know that uh, uh, some listeners of this podcast are, are on the verge of starting their own. So that's good advice for them and good advice for me as well. I mean, it's not like I'm a seasoned podcaster neither. And, uh, you know, 
Uh, I like I like this what you said about keeping some a couple of evergreen episodes just in case something happens and you miss the the normal release. That's that's really good. Yeah. Um, so the the two areas I wanted uh, to ask you I wanted to ask you about was uh, how to use iTunes for um, increase the audience and some ideas about monetization. So. Mm -hmm. Could could you tell us a little bit how you used um, iTunes to increase Bold Moves audience? Because I know that you you said something about uh, releasing several shows on a, on a short uh, time and asking for reviews. So can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of mystery behind exactly how uh, iTunes gets their algorithm, um, mm. and they change it quite a bit. Like some of the stuff uh, can be outdated, like. Uh, we just had experience with this with Rick and Morty because um, we released uh, like three episodes a week when we were first starting out. And it seems like that maybe um, if you have a lot of new episodes that or if you have well, let, me show you, let, me, let me try to explain this um, it used to be or at least what we could tell is that if you had like when we did Game of Thrones, we did three podcasts a week. So we'd have one on Sunday night, one on Tuesday afternoon, one on mm -hmm. Friday afternoon. And that kind of kept our stats like bumped up all the time because people were always download. There was never more than a 48 hour gap. It seems like iTunes has changed a little bit and that every when a new podcast releases, it kind of like um, pushes the stats for the previous one. Um, oh. down instead of adding them together. So it's almost like you're being penalized by having lots of, um, you know, it, it'd probably be better to have one weekly podcast that gets all that traffic than, um, but there's other reasons to release, you know, multiple podcasts a week rather than just stats. Um, but that's important. Um, ratings and reviews, and especially subscriptions. Uh, it seems like that people subscribing on iTunes really gets the iTunes algorithm excited. Mm -hmm. um, but like rating and reviewing is all anything that generates like activity and traffic, which they gate they count as engagement and interest um, helps you. And then it, it's all, at the end of the day, it's a lot about um, just raw download numbers, too. Yeah. Um, but the key strategy is in your first eight weeks of podcast, you're eligible for the new and noteworthy section. And a lot of times for smaller podcasts, that's a great way to, you know, if 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 uh, a goal should be to make like the top 10 or the top 20 in, in the category that you're in, like if we're in TV and film. Right. Mm. Um, if we have a new show, it's it's always nice to hit that because that means you're going to be on the front page of that subsection. Um, and that can that can help out a lot. Mm. Um, a lot of our success on IT or a lot of our success is due to. Uh, frankly, when we started, there wasn't a lot of competition. Like when we started, uh, co podcasting was already popular and, and, um, it's kind of tough to break into, but like, uh, the TV and film category, when we started breaking bad, there was an official podcast that actually had terrible sound quality. Mm. Uh, Kelly Dixon, the editor of breaking bad, put that together. And it sometimes sounded like it was literally six people in a closet around one microphone, <laughs> They, they got better, but they weren't good in season four. And uh, but they had awesome content. And then there was two guys from Alabama who were former meth users who, you know, were covering the show called Behind the Cutting Edge. Like and real, real, real meth users. Yeah, they were oh, former. Wow. So like that had oh, a yeah, neat, okay. that was. Yeah. So that was a neat. They could like tell tales from the trenches. And oh. but that was just it. There was three <laughs> podcasts on one of the most popular shows of all time. Uh. So we hung our shingle out and we instantly got a big amount of traffic of people were searched for Breaking Bad podcasts. Like we were guaranteed to be in the top oh, four results, right? Uh -huh. uh, top three results. And we had that advantage through, I think, Walking Dead and maybe the first season of Game of Thrones. But then we noticed the next year when like Breaking Bad is in season five, there was now like 30 Breaking Bad podcasts podcasts so sometimes if you if you if you want a, an audience it's it's good to like see like catalog all the things you're interested in you can talk do a, po a, a, a passionate podcast and then search on itunes for those topics and categories and if all else is being equal pick the one that the least amount of people are talking about because you'll have that kind of section of the platform to yourself. And if someone's searching for that interest, then you'll be likely to be the top thing they see. Because yeah. um, it's really tough if you want to talk about if you just want to talk with your friends about movies, 
you just need to know there's like 10,000 other podcasts doing that same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're going to have to really work and hustle and network and probably spend some advertising dollars to to rise above that crowd at this point. Mm-hmm. But there's still plenty of plenty of uh, undiscovered continents out there as far as little niche. Um, one of my friends just started a podcast uh, called Pops Co- uh, Couture. Um, and they're two, like one of them is a filmmaker and one of them is a professional hair styler. And they're like dads in their um, late 30s and early 40s. And they're doing a parenting podcast. And they told me, if you look at all the parenting podcasts out there, it's all like pink and purple and pastel. And there's two pretty women that are smiling at you and they might be holding babies. And then their logo is this like tattooed lion head with like studded collar and sunglasses. And it's like, it's like, you know, there's all types of moms and dads out there. Yeah, and yeah. if you don't, I, if you're looking for advice on being a parent and, and you're seeing all this sea of pink and then you see crazy tiger head, it's like you, <laughs> they're, they're trying to because that's the kind of guys they are. They're they're very good dads and they love their kids, but, you know, they're not taking them to church every Sunday. Yeah. And, you know, they're they got full sleeve tattoos and crazy beards. And that's the audience they're trying to cater for. And, I, and it looks like it's working gangbusters for them. So. You know, try to go where the competition isn't. And there's lots of competition. Distinguish yourself from them and you'll do all right. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's uh, uh, first of all, I want to listen to your friend's podcast now. So I will look it up uh, after. Uh, yeah, pops go to you'll 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 recognize it when you see it. I think you can just go to like the parenting or family podcast, too. It's like in the top 20 or 30. So <laughs> and, uh, you know, it reminded me of um, a, a friend of mine. Um, he did the same with uh, the subject of his book. He actually wrote a book based on uh, what was needed on uh, on Amazon. Uh, like in mm-hmm. his case, in his case, he noticed that there was no real book on a particular trail to do on a particular I don't know uh, mountain in the US. I forgot where it is. And mm-hmm. he wrote a book on that. And because there was zero competition, people were looking for that, finding him, and he got you know he gets I don't know I think a few. A few hundred dollars of passive income thanks to that every week, every yeah. every month, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for the for the reviews, uh, do you uh, like when you ask your listener to review? Do you ask them for an episode or for the whole show? How does it work? Uh, I we see. I I know there's a new the new platforms allow you to review individual episodes, but like we uh, always think of in terms of iTunes, it's just like you know rate and review your show. Okay. Um. So that's uh, what they do. Because is iTunes? Can you leave reviews on individual episodes, or is it still? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Really not. Because that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm not a Mac user. That's uh, Jim, my yeah. other co-host, and yeah. uh, Cecily, our, our, our producer. They, they're all Mac. So like, I kind of, <laughs> I don't have a lot of visibility in the iTunes stuff because um, I don't use it myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as my understanding, you do it for the whole, the whole show. But there's like. I don't know, like um, Stitcher and Spotify and and Google Play podcasts, they might allow you to do individual episodes. And do you, last question on this topic, uh, do you focus your listener on a particular platform? So like in your, in the podcast description, you always send them to iTunes or do you ask them Mm -hmm. to review wherever they, they listen to? we've tr- just this year started emphasizing wherever you listen to your podcast like okay. you know how like when we're doing housekeeping and we're talking about all the different stuff you do we don't say go to bald move and subscribe we say search for uh uh we we do like uh like uh we've got uh, our mr robot podcast is called two-bit encryption so we'll just tell people yeah. to search for two-bit encryption wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and you know that's a great way to make it a little bit more platform agnostic because mm-hmm. that's okay. the thing itunes is is still don't get me wrong the 800 pound gorilla in the podcasting room but it's you know spotify is growing really fast google's not growing as fast as they probably should or they would if they would <laughs> um uh, if they would actually give that platform any love um stitcher is is still still growing so you know it used to be itunes is 90 plus percent of your traffic and now for us it's like 60 ish percent so oh, that okay. other 40 percent is is up for you know is up for grabs and uh um uh, everyone everyone should be publishing to as many platforms as they can well thank you that's a uh, very actionable advice uh, for for me and you're quite welcome <laughs> um 
I'd like to ask about uh, monetization because, sure. uh, uh, as you said in your in your very interesting interview with uh, David Chen, uh, uh -huh. making podcasts takes time, energy, and money, and it makes sense to you know at least try to break even. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, what I would like to do for my podcast would be to have two separate feeds. A little, actually, that's what you did. You you inspired me to do that. You know, I have two separate feeds. One with the ad-free podcast, which is behind uh, some sort of paywall, like your mm -hmm. like your club, and the mm -hmm. other general podcast with ads, uh, you know, generally general. Oh, that's too difficult of a word for me. <laughs> <laughs> Available for everyone. Um, yeah, yeah. Can Can I ask you how do you how do you do that with Bono? How do you set up <sighs> these two different feeds? If it's not too you know geeky, so well, technical. So so. Everyone's got like something in their background that 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 helps with their podcasting, right? Like maybe you're a natural speaker, maybe you were always into high end audio, and you or you were in a band and you know how to rig a microphone and make it sound good, or you were in sales and marketing, so you know how to uh, hook up ads and how to appeal to strangers. Um, yeah. Our gift, the tools we brought to the podcaster suite. Uh, was we both were programmers. Yeah, uh, we were both professional software developers. So unfortunately, our solution was we we created our own system. We we run our site on WordPress, um, WordPress, which is already pretty extensible and customizable. And we wrote a few plugins to integrate this piece of software called Recurly, which manages like our monthly and yearly subscription renewals and whatnot. Um, so we wrote some software to like when people sign up on Recurly, it instantly signs them up with an account on our website and a forum, and they're able to use that to to control access to the, their ad free feeds. And I would say that that's probably not in everybody's capability, and and, yeah. and, and maybe we should we, maybe we should spend a little bit more time on it, and make it generic enough that we could sell it as a solution. But yeah, exactly. I was yeah, it's like, well, we, yeah, then we need to hire a sales guy and a professional developer to do bug fixes and all that stuff. So yeah. we become half a software company. But um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of solutions now. First of all, you every all pot all podcasters, uh, podcasters and aspiring podcasters weep that we are the only new media content creators that don't have a built-in path for monetization. If you're a YouTuber, you can get advertising from the day one. If mm. you are, um, you know, playing video games on Twitch, you have a way to monetize and get paid for what you do on day mm. one. If you're a podcaster, you got jack squat. Uh, because apparently nobody cares to 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 support a podcaster. So everybody feel sorry for yourself for a minute. But there's a lot of solutions that that people have come up with. For example, uh, Patreon is one that a lot of people use. Patreon, one of the features you get as a creator is they will create a feed for you that people can subscribe oh, that is protected. And and, uh, you know, then so so it, it kind of stinks because they take a cut, you know, like they take in 10 percent of, of your money to provide all this. Uh, and we, we get around that because we wrote our own system. But honestly, 10 yeah. percent, not bad for what they um, offer. And they're starting like I went to the podcast movement expo last year and they're starting to be these platforms that you can sign up for to automatically get advertising put into your podcast. Mm, so you can mm, get a little, start generating a little bit of money there. Um, and that stuff is getting better and better, but man, I still me and me and Jim sit around and we don't understand why iTunes who has monetized literally everything else never bothered to like, Hey, you know what? We could just throw a few ads yeah. in, in these podcasts and give them half, you know, or whatever we, uh, it's 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 harder than it should be, but I think I think Patreon is the is the is the main one to look at. Uh -huh. Well, they probably they didn't monetize it because you know nobody listens to podcasts. That's such a, a small small form. I mean, it's not like everybody is listening to podcasts all the time, you know. I guess, but it's like I mean, <laughs> you can say the same thing about YouTube. No one's like no, literally no, watching YouTube twenty. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, like, it's like podcast is the for me. It's like the the new age of radio. Every everybody sure. is listening to podcast, and that's I heard something very interesting uh, that. You know, as a, as a species, we have like maybe five, six hundred years of uh, writing tradition, but we mm -hmm. have thousands of years of of oral tradition that like 
stories being passed, you know, and podcast, yeah. podcast is, is technology merging with this ancient, you know, feeling of it's nice to sit around the fire, eating some mammoths and listen to a story, you know? Yeah. So, it really touches us deep in some kind of yeah. primitive shamanistic way. I, I, yeah. I, I can dig, I can dig uh, that. Um, Okay, I want to be respectful of your time, so I will just uh, move on to the. Oh, we got play. Don't worry about. It. I got like we can go another thirty minutes of school. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I can relax a little. Bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My beef with uh, with Patreon is that the the CEO and founder looks just like me, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know he's like he's like bald with a beard, and uh, he gets excited when he talks about projects, and he's a musician, and he's an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly like me except he's a millionaire or billionaire and i'm not so <laughs> <laughs> I have this oh man lock up using that but maybe i'll put that aside because it seems to be a, a nice uh solution for non non-programmers non-developers it's, it's on the other hand it's also like a guy that looks just like you can succeed in life so like that's cool like <laughs> kind of takes the pressure off you know it's yeah. like someone's already pre-validated your your <laughs> presentation to the world yeah yeah that's true there is a market for bold bearded guys <laughs> <laughs> so so i'd like to switch gears to uh, another subject which uh, is uh, fascinating um about you iron uh it's your past as a, as a cult member mm -hmm. um Again, you did a, a great podcast, two-hour podcast that I, I listened to with uh, with great attention about what it was like to be uh, so a Jehovah Witness, uh, what it meant, going out of it. Um, could you could you share you know a little bit about that? Maybe explain in, in a few sentences what uh, what does it mean to be a Jehovah Witness. And then go into really how you manage to extract yourself from that and reach the success that you did reach, uh, despite all the ob uh, all these obstacles. Sure. Um, I forgot to do this last time we you touched on the topic, but um, uh, Arno has mentioned like these um, podcasts about the Jehovah's Witness stuff and some of the frequently asked questions and whatnot, and we collected all those on baldmove.com/about. So if you want to check those out, it's a it's an archive for all the different Q and A streams we've done, the Jehovah's Witness stream, um, our uh, Reddit AMAs and stuff. So if, if any of this stuff is interesting and you want to know more, go to baldmove.com/slash about. Yeah, uh, so it's, the, I'll put it in the show notes. Obviously. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jehovah's Witnesses are a Christian uh, cult. Um, so it's like you know they do believe in a, a monotheistic God. Uh, Jesus Christ is his son, uh, but they have a lot of peculiar beliefs. Um, in particular, like they deny the Trinity, so they they don't believe that there's a a triune Godhead of consisting of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, they think that all those are well. They think the Holy Spirit is is an aspect of God or His power, but it's not like a personification. And Jesus is the sec is the firstborn of all creation. Um, that's not. The, but where it gets really sticky is they have a lot of what they say is Bible-based prescriptions on their user, on their, on their members. For example, you're not allowed to participate in political systems, uh, which means you can't even vote. Um, you cannot take blood transfusions, even if it would save your life. Um, there are, they, they very contr control their members, um, uh, lifestyles and where you're not allowed to watch like rated R movies. Um, mm. They, you're not allowed to uh, like um, engage in media that promotes like witchcraft or magics. For example, you're not allowed to watch Game of Thrones or or, yeah. or read Harry Potter. Uh, even like Walt Disney films. Like my my mom walked us out of a uh, of a lot of films as soon as like a witch would appear on screen. You know oh because God. she's afraid that we'd be demonized. Um, and uh, they also they also um, they they restrict their members from going to higher education like university um, mm -hmm. is something that's frowned upon if not prescribed uh, and as a result um, they also discourage and uh, their members from from having friendships with uh, what they call worldly people, which are people that are non Jehovah's Witnesses. Like you might work with one, but you know, if you've got a friend that's a Jehovah's Witness, ask yourself how many times you've been invited to their home, how many times they've just hung out and had a beer with you, uh, because they don't see you as a potential friend. They see you as a recruit 
And if you're not interested in, in becoming uh, recruited, then you are classified as a worldly person and then they, they, they're not going to be keen to associate with you. And the real piece de resistance of, of why they're a cult is if you disagree with any of these things and you're a baptized member and they encourage their children to be baptized very young, sometimes as, as young as seven or eight years old, um, well before you can understand the commitment you're making, uh, you get what they call disfellowship, which is excommunicated. And that means that all Jehovah's Witnesses will no longer recognize you as a yeah. as a person. Like if they yeah. see you in the street, they'll literally turn around, and walk the other way. They won't make eye contact with you. Um, and and that's when, your whole world, right? That, that's yeah. Whole, so like whole, when that happened to me, I was 30 years old and I had two friends in the whole world. I had a guy that I worked with that I had become pretty good friends with. Um, and I had Jim, who eventually became my co uh, our co-founder and co-host of Bald Move. Um, but everybody else, friends I've had for years, family members, um, you know, shun shunned me. Um, and my dad, my dad wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. Um, and he had divorced my mom. So I kind of was able to rekindle my relationship with him a little bit. But, you, you, yeah. you know, I had hundreds of people that I considered close and uh, friends called them brother and sister because that's something you do in, in the organization as well and uh, it was tough it was a very lonely dark time of my life but it also was a period of a lot of personal growth and exciting opportunities and figuring out what I wanted to do for myself instead of what you know uh, Jehovah God wanted me to do and that yeah. was that was exciting as well because yeah that's that's very uh sad obviously to lose like your whole world your whole yeah. network and and that's amazing that you managed to use that as an opportunity of growth especially because your belief system changed at the same time right you you believe to like you started to not believe anymore into into this version of god and so you had really nothing at all no friends and, and no doctrines to which uh you know could hold on to yeah um, i i, I kind of still believed in god back then because i i had i convinced myself that i thought the jehovah's witnesses theology was wrong uh doing some independent research which is also you're not allowed to do yeah. uh uh doing doing research outside and i'd convinced myself that they were wrong but i I thought that um, it, it was basically a lot of their more complicated theology not being wrong about like everything. So I became kind of like a non-denominational Christian. But then over the few years when I kept on kind of reading and studying and growing as a person, I went from that to kind of deist, you know, and, and kind of like a, like a Thomas Jefferson kind of way, just believing in a God, but that, you know, he's either unfathomable or, or doesn't un, doesn't care about the creation Uh, then I kind of went from ag to agnostic and that's kind of where I'm kind of agnostic um, for, for all intents and purposes, atheist. But like I don't I, what I really call myself as an apathist uh, because I what just don't care. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I'm, I'm apathetic about whether God exists or not. I just don't okay. I don't care. I, I cared so much about God for the first 30 years of my life that, you know, he knows where I'm at if he needs me. He's. Mm -hmm he's he's canonically got the power to reach me if he wants to so i'm content to like you know i'm here if you need me yahweh uh else i'll be i'll be taking care of my own my own problems oh yeah how how did you do it how did you manage to like do you remember the kind of self-talk that you had or the the I was going to say the people that you met, but you said that there was almost no one. You know, how did you not, you know, uh, yes. you, you reached you reached rock bottom, you know, no connections, mm -hmm. no. Okay, so you, you still had this belief in God, but how did you manage to start from this place and a few years later to be uh, to be, you know, so successful with Bold Move? So I was married when i so i was about uh, i was like 27 when i discovered the truth about um or the of uh, the jehovah's witnesses yeah uh and i was disfellowshipped when i was 32 and i had gone through an intense period like i went to the church elders and i you know i first i told my wife about the problem and she was kind of horrified and encouraged me to like you know talk to my problems with the church elders i talked yeah. to the problem my problems with church elders and they didn't really have any answers because some of these things are unanswerable um and but then i'm like well you know i knew what was going to wait me if i kept pushing this issue 
And I'm like, well, I have a pretty good life and I'm fairly happy and I've already missed out on things like college and I, I lucked into a pretty good career in IT. And it's like, I'll just I'll go. It's like I'll go to the meetings um, and I, I can kind of pretend and keep all the good things. And it's not. And then I had a son and I remember like rocking him at night and kind of like thinking this is fine for me. But boy, if you want to go and do you know, like, like, I don't want you to be in the same cage, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and that inspired me to like, even though I knew it was going to be painful that I wanted, because my, my dad never believed either. And he kind of just went along with what my, my mom taught us. And we ended up becoming Jehovah's Witnesses by default. And my dad became alienated from us. Um, and I didn't want that to happen. And I knew that I had, there's no way I could provide um any kind of counterpoint and if i was still within this organization so i started being more out and talking and like confrontational about it um you know that that led to my marriage dissolving um but then now i'm co-parenting and i've I've, you know i've got to raise the you know when it's it's my time to have my son i had to raise him on my own and think about the things i was going to tell him but it's all it all came from like me wanting my son to have a better shot than me and part of that was trying to live my best life so that he wouldn't see, you know, there'd be a contrast there. It's like, you know, his mom would be doing things her way and his dad would be, but his dad was going to be happy and um, like inquisitive and, uh, um, you know, well-adjusted. I didn't want, you know, his dad, his, his, his counterpoint to Jehovah's Witnesses being a depressed alcoholic father mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. So I, I, I was inspired to kind of try to live a better life um to to set an example for my son so that's the thing that kind of that was my north star that kept me um you know it's like i started exercising taking better care of myself uh uh, eating better um started you know uh educating myself about things i was interested in and i think those like focusing on myself and making myself better when i had all this time like all this isolation um put me in a good position to start capitalizing on, you know, when I, when I started meeting new people, making friends with them, um, uh, having romantic relationships, I, I learned to love myself. So it was much easier to, uh, you know, gain, gain ever uh, other people's, uh, uh, trust and affection because I was, I was a lovable person and I worked hard to become that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it reminds me almost as the stories of people who go to prisons and who are, you know, like Malcolm X, for example, he goes to prison and he rebuilds completely his life, his knowledge, his, his relationship to the world. And then he's ready to go out and do great things. So I'm not saying you're Malcolm X, right? But <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that either. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you can't control what happens to you in life you can only control what you do in response. And, you know, I had a few rules like I I've one of the rules I think that helped me a lot is I have a very um, when times are bad, I stay sober as yeah. a judge. Mm-hmm. When times are good, I tend to party. I'll drink a little. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll indulge in, in drugs now and then. Um, but like when things are bad or like, you know, I'm having money trouble, I'm having uh, family trouble. I'm having job trouble. Like I sober up and I feel like a lot of people mess up, but when they have bad times, they start trying to get the drugs and alcohol to turn that. And that, and my, and my, by my estimation, that blows up in your face and causes you to ignore problems instead of fixing them. And if, if I have one piece of advice for people going through tough times is like, uh, because that's the other thing. Yeah, don't don't drink, don't do drugs, don't party, you know, deal with the problem. And and also, I'd be very remiss if I didn't say that, like, while I was doing this, I was going through uh, weekly therapy sessions with a, yes. a really good therapist um, because, like, ever, you know, it, it, you don't have to do it alone. Uh, finding a therapist, uh, someone that you know, sometimes if you need uh, some some pharmaceutical help uh, yeah. to kind of regulate and 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 uh, help help you kind of um, overcome these bad situations, that's fine too. But like, yeah, you gotta when when times are bad, you gotta you kind of focus up and 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 try to as best you can deal with solutions. So if you're going through a rough time now and you're listening to this pod, to this podcast, don't drink. Listen to Bold Move instead. Right. <laughs> yeah or or watch some documentaries or read a book or go out and exercise or 
uh, go talk to your friends, uh, you know, lean, lean on them, yeah. see a book, a book, a appointment for a therapist, that kind of thing. Mm. So in that, um, connected to, to what you just uh, talked about in that, uh, Jehovah witness, uh, podcast, you said that one advantage of being a member was the certainty and that's, uh, about life and death among other things. And that since you left, you, you had some times where you basically wake up at night or you have like some night terror and you think about the, you know, you know, death and it's there and there is no Jehovah to, to welcome me once it, it arrives. Mm -hmm. uh, did you, so first of all, this, you recorded that two years ago. How did it evolve uh, for you? And do you have like some techniques that you use now to find your inner peace or Because you said you don't really have a spiritual practice, but maybe you uh, have, do you meditate or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, what if uh, there's a, so one of the things that came out of my years of therapy is a, a toolkit of like um, techniques, like, uh, I don't know if I'd call it meditation, but focused breathing, like taking, closing your eyes, taking deep breaths, focusing on relaxing your body, um, mm. relaxing your mind. I mean, that is meditation, right? Um, affirmations where you look yourself in a mirror and you say like ridiculous things like I am worthy of, of love. Yeah. I am a good person. I take care of my responsibilities in an adult manner, like th things like you. So you because like, these are especially for men, um, we don't get a lot of praise uh, and we don't get a lot of love that just handed out to us in the world. And a lot of times we have to be that we have to be our own cheerleader we have mm. to be you know we, we have to kind of mom ourselves and tell us tell tell us tell tell us that we're good and we deserve love and happiness and and mm. those are some some good techniques um uh to to employ i've gotten lost what was what was i talking about <laughs> what no, were no, you that, asking me no no i was uh, asking you exactly that if you have like some techniques on or, or spiritual practice or whatever oh, no tools so so you, you answered the, the yeah, yeah that's that's the other thing is like i journaled i kept a journal oh, of like yeah. what i was thinking and feeling i don't do that I, i wish i'd kept it up man i'd be amazing if i did but it helped me especially when i was very if, if you haven't gone through therapy um before like a lot of it is just identifying what you're thinking and the corresponding emotion that is generated by that thought or vice versa, what you're feeling and what thoughts are generated by that feeling and realize that these feelings are real and that you're experiencing them, yes. but they're not always actionable. Like if you feel agitated, nervous and stressed, that could be a purely physical response that's not helpful. It was helpful back in the Serengeti when we were running from lions um, Uh, as 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 primitive hominids but now like when we just have a stressful nine to five job it's just literally taking years off our life and making our arteries hard and and the extent of like the other thing is like if you have a negative an, an unpleasant interaction with a stranger like that used to really ruin my day and sometimes week and like just i like why are you getting so upset like you're never going to meet this person again mm -hmm. They're probably just an asshole. Uh, don't don't <laughs> don't worry about it. Like that yeah. kind of like practicing just um, I forget what they call it. It's something like uh, presence, like present in the moment awareness, like what like you're feeling and thinking because mindfulness, maybe mindfulness. There you go. Mindfulness, um, because that's the first step of, of changing how you feel and think is is interrupting the process and like, oh, I'm getting in a spiral of like shame or a spiral of stress and anxiety. Or on the other hand, sometimes you get in a spiral that's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little too full of, I'm getting a little too carried away with excitement or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm getting a little too carried away with uh, my sexual attraction for someone and it's overriding uh, my judgment and being yes. aware of those things and not in a judge, a non-judgmental way. It's called non-judgmental awareness. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, you're feeling sad. Why are you feeling sad? Let me think about it. Oh, this reminded me of my relationship with my mother. Okay. Yeah. Now it's like, instead of like you just mysteriously being pulled in, in, in all these different directions by thoughts and feelings, you can start thinking about them and thinking, questioning whether they're valid and, and what you could do yeah. uh, otherwise and, and breaking those patterns that, that you've been doing since you're usually a little kid. Um, I found that stuff helpful and I'm not spiritual, but like, I do confess to being afraid of dying. Um, 
But and especially now that my dad is getting older and I see, you know, he's in his mid 70s and you know he had a major heart procedure two years ago, which kind of went like my dad always seemed like my dad until that happened. And now he's like recognizably older and a little bit more frailer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's your mortality calling. Right. Yeah. Um, but a friend of mine a long time ago, I asked him, he's the first kind of atheist I was friends with. And I asked him, like, how do you deal with the fear of death? And he said, um, and then not being around the idea that you won't be around. And he said, do you fear the period of time before you were born? Is it scary? Oh, whoa. And he says, and what does it feel like? And it's, that's a great question because yeah. being not alive doesn't feel like anything. You have no recollection of any of, of, of your time. And he says, I feel like that's what death is going to be like. Um, and that, is still like I, I'm not gonna say that that's not and like the, the idea that you might die and you'll lose you'll leave people behind and they'll be sad is 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 not a great thought but I think it's a re- it's 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 based in reality and the you know like maybe we'll have a swift passage maybe will be long and difficult through there but the end result will be the same and it's not a scary place it doesn't seem like to me just like non-existence before I was born was not a scary place. That's such an amazing question. I've never thought about it this way before. That there was a time where you were not around, and basically you don't you don't think about that. You don't fear that time because it's so. Maybe the, after the, this, it's just the same. I never thought about do, it this do, way. Do you want to know something really funny, Arno? Yeah, sure. Uh, that 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 guy that gave me that answer when I was young and he was an atheist is now a super devout Roman Catholic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm a and I'm a secular atheist. So I've been wanting ever since I found that out a couple of years ago. I've been wanting to reach back out and be like, "Hold up, what happened? What is going on?" But yeah, so but yeah, he helped me, and then he became a Catholic, and so now he's cheating. He doesn't think he's going to die. Awesome. Yeah, I guess you know we are looking for answers, and we find we find them in different places. I guess. Yeah. Indeed. Mm. So. Uh, I'd like to ask you about uh, the to stay in the topic of uh, you know spirituality and maybe um, extend it to religions. You wrote a book, two volumes of a book called uh, "God of Thrones," uh, with a religious scholar uh, mm-hmm. called Anthony Ledon, if I remember yep. correctly. You got it. Um, um, so Game of Thrones helped me in my office life to understand the, the relationship between, you know, the power, power relationship mm-hmm. uh, which were happening. And in the end, I got decapitated, but that's another story. Uh, what, can, what can Game of Thrones religions uh, teach us, you know, about or what's, what are some lessons we can take into the real world to maybe, let's say, to find inner peace or to live a happier life? If any, I think one of the things that came because, you know, I co-wrote this with a religious scholar um, and he is a a Christian, but he has studied like all the world's great religions and the origins of Christianity and especially, you know, how it sprung out of Judaism. Um, And what I think is fascinating about mankind's um, is that that's always been the constant, like the our, our need to understand things greater than ourselves our need to explain the unexplainable, our need to find meaning and connection when there doesn't appear to be any like this, like uh, the the most ancient civilizations you can think of, um, you know, the things we know about even pre-civilization societies is like uh, usually we know from their burial customs, right? Like we mm-hmm. don't know much about what a Celt in five five thousand BC was about but we've discovered like their bodies buried in bogs and you know some were condemned criminals and some of them had like artifacts on them things that there were you know tattoos of symbols that were significant to them like this this goes really really deep and i read this book called sapiens that you know talks about like how some so so uh that, that as far as uh anthropologists can tell like humans are anatomically the same uh, over the last 200,000 years. What I mean is like if you picked up uh, a human from 200,000 years ago and you killed them and you dropped them in, in a, a morgue in New York City or Prague or wherever, the authorities would be like, well, this is just a human. Like it's not like they'd be like, oh, this is a Neanderthal or whatever. It's just like they're a, they, they, they're modern human. The they same, have the same yeah. structures. But as far as we can tell, 
language and consciousness didn't appear start appearing until about 70,000 years. So like there's 130,000 years of human existence where we were recognizably modern humans, but we were still animals like the Mm. way like like uh, the way we responded to nature, the way we responded to each other. What changed? Um, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, there, there, there's a lot of ways you could, you could remix like the Bible's creation myth. Like maybe, uh, what they were getting at is when, when God breathed life into Adam as a, as a lump of clay, maybe what he was really doing is bestowing consciousness on a group of hominids, you know? Um, but like the fact that religion has been something, uh, that we have as humanity has struggled with in every civilization, every part of the globe at every time period until very recently has there been this like, uh, you know, questioning about whether, you know, these unseen spiritual things are even real. Um, and I, I just thought that was neat because we go back, you know, we, we, cause these, this book is all about, um, George Martin, uh, based the game of Thrones, um, the structure on the war of the roses, um, yes. and he also not just lifted historical details, but he actually is inspired, um, his, his religions and his nations and his cultures are essentially remixed versions of the things on our own earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and like almost every religion has an analog of two or three religions in real life. And we went through chapter by chapter and like the religions in the North of the old gods, uh, the faith of the seven, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Lord of the light, like all these yeah. and like the real world religious inspirations to kind of understand the characters of game of Thrones better. And also, you know, understand our own world better. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I don't know, like, I, I feel like studying that kind of history makes me feel connected to the whole story of humanity stretching back into the, the, the mist of time. And I think that's, that's cool. And also it's like, I, I feel like whenever I'm talking about this book, I make it sound like it's very dry. You know, it's like this religious scholar. It's like, but we, this is like, we, this is all very tongue in cheek and we have a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it. We make a lot of mm-hmm. jokes. Uh, there's definitely a lot of really great research and historical information, but we, you know, we, we try to put plenty of spoonfuls of sugar along with the medicine. Um, yeah, I heard there are a lot of reference to David Hasselhoff as well. Yeah, there's a couple David Hasselhoff <laughs> references. Uh, we use a lot of, because uh, we both um, are a fan of like pseudo- uh, we, we think that the tone of pseudo uh, scholarship is funny. So we have a lot of footnotes and references, but a lot of our footnotes are just extended jokes and stuff that we're making. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a fun read. And if you, if you're curious about religion, if you're curious about history, and especially if you're a game of Thrones fan, it's, it's a, uh, it's a pretty good read. Great. So I'll put, I'll put it also in the show notes. Um, and uh, so we are, we are reaching the end of our time uh of our of our episodes um i have three general questions that i ask to all of my guests if if you still have like five minutes mm-hmm. yeah um what have you changed your mind about recently oh boy uh i have okay so very recently um watching this last season of deuce uh which is david simon he's the creator of the wire uh's take on the birth of the pornography industry has kind of um changed my mind about how a person can ethically consume pornography uh and and i don't have a lot of like this is not i don't have a lot of uh uh, i don't have a lot of like uh because i've just like this recently in the last few weeks of something i've started thinking like ooh, i need to really examine this and 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 think about how to do differently going back a few years ago um i was persuaded that i need to start cutting out meat in my diet not because i care over much about animal suffering although i don't want animals to suffer not so much that um you know, it's, it's a better, healthier lifestyle. It's more of like, um, if you look at the stats behind manufacture, especially of beef, it's so harmful to the environment. Uh, and I also believe that you don't have to be a vegan to start doing your, like, like I've essentially cut out 90% of the red meat of my diet, maybe even more. Mm. In fact, like these, these new incredible burgers, uh, and beyond burgers and that, that those, the related types of artificial meat have been, really helpful in this transition but yeah like i i i watched this documentary called cowspiracy and it really kind of confronted me with um you know am i am, am, am i living a sustainable essentially a sustainable lifestyle yes. not many of us in the west can say we are but like are we even going to try uh 
and I, 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 I have made a big, a lot of big changes. Me and my wife made a lot of big changes in her life. Um, I'll have the occasional steak, I'll have the occasional burger, but not like I used to eat red meat every day, like most Americans. Uh, and now I can go weeks at a time without it. So, uh, that, that's a big change that I've actually implemented and, and, and come a long way on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the same path, but, um, which uh which advice would you give to your younger self and at which age, which age would you give it mm. boy um you know i went through i had a bad teen i i had a bad teenage years i was a weirdo in a religious cult um isolated from everyone at school um i didn't wasn't i didn't participate in the pop culture of the days um and it was a difficult junior high and high school were very difficult for me um i don't necessarily think i'd want to change because a lot of the things it's like i wouldn't be like hey run away from your home and get out of this jehovah's witness thing immediately because mm -hmm. all that stuff has made me who i am today but i think i'd yes. try to tell him none of this is going to matter Like you're going to essentially restart your life at 30 and none of these people are going to matter. None of these experiences are going to matter. These are only going to make you stronger and more interesting and funnier and cooler and later in life. So like try to have a sense of humor about it. Try not to internalize all these feelings of shame and awkwardness um, and and know that everything's going to be okay. And I think probably a lot of people could relate to that going back to yeah. their teenage self and be like, you know what, this isn't this isn't going to be a just 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 get through this it's going to get better it's going to be okay yeah yeah i was thinking that it's uh, an advice that can apply even if you are not in a religious cult that's that's yeah. good to hear <laughs> it's tough being a teenager i'm you know my son just turned 13 and i see him going through the story like you know struggle with uh dealing with uh, feelings uh hormones uh uh people at various stages of maturity yeah. um uh, it's 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 tough Yeah, my son is five years old, the, the older, so I'm, I'm, I still have a few years to go before I reach that, but I'm not looking forward to it. It'll, go, I mean, past, it'll go by fast, man. It'll go by fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, the third question is weird, and uh, you have like a limited amount of time to reply to it. Uh, what is life for you, Aaron? Life is growth and change. And I think if I ever stopped, that feels like dying. Um, so like I, I, I'm one of my things I don't want to do is like you see some of these uh, older people, they get calcified in their thoughts and they don't want to learn new things and new technologies. And I understand that, but I'm going to try to fight it as long as I can. And I think I've seen starting to see like amongst my generation of 40 somethings like already we're starting to shit on the younger people and say how stupid they are and how their culture is dumb and how their music sucks. And yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Nah, I think they, they, they are equal proportion, stupid and brilliant as we were and as our parents were. And the only thing we can do is how are we going to act now? And I'm not going to tell kids that Fortnite dancing is stupid. I'm not going to tell kids that Billie Eilish is trash. Uh, you know, do, do, do your own thing and turn out better than we did because none, none of the older folks I think in our, in our world can kind of like look back at their life and, and pure pride without a, even a little bit of shame. So like, <laughs> yeah, nah, the, 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 I, I, I think, uh, you got to keep embracing the new, the, the new growth and change or, or you're just essentially already dead. Excellent. Um, thank you so much um where where can people find more about you and about bald move uh baldmove.com is a great place to start we also have all social media at bald move and we've got such an amazing array array of content right now we're doing weekly shows on the watchman weekly shows on mr robot we're starting a weekly show on his dark materials uh we are uh also uh me and cecily are doing american horror story uh 1984 if you're in the mood mm -hmm. for like a spooky slasher uh kind of scary thing for the halloween season uh and we also have movies uh most thursday reviews of the the week's movies on thursdays uh, you can find all that stuff at uh, baldmove.com okay great um any parting message for our listeners you've already uh, been generous with a lot of insights <laughs> which uh i'm looking forward to re-listen to again and again but anything that you you still want to to say uh We are all 
in this together. We're all sharing this planet. And the quicker that we realize that, the better we're going to be. And I think every, I encourage everyone on their daily day basis, think of other people, think of other people around the world, think of them as humans that deserve, you know, respect and consideration and resources. And, and how do, how do we solve that? That's going to be, that's going to be the hard work. This is going to be our world war two of the 21st century is, 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 is trying to, to unify this globe and make sure everyone is taken care of. Um, because if we don't, uh, I mean, we've seen we've seen the results. Of, we've seen fictionalized versions of when we don't do that. The Terminators, the Mad Maxes, uh, and I don't I don't want to live in that world. I don't think anyone does. So let's. Uh, I guess the the old phrase, the old hippie phrase, is uh, think globally, act locally. Uh, <laughs> let's let's do that. Let's do that. Thank you, thank you for all those great thoughts, insights, for your time, for your generosity. And uh, I'm really glad uh, that this happened and uh, I wish you the best of luck with Bold Move. Uh, I'm totally going to listen to this uh, Watchmen podcast and, and, watch, uh, and watch the show. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Arno. I I've, 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 uh, really appreciate being on. join the tribe. You will get the episodes before anybody else, the free easy tools for immediate inner peace ebook, the fan favorite and uncensored sound filter Sunday, and much more. You also get the satisfaction of supporting independent podcasting and help keeping the project alive. All of this for free. So go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening and as always, peace.